Welcome to Career Central with Lorraine Beeman. In this program, you will hear from career management experts who will provide guidance and strategies to help you advance or change your career. Now, here is your host, Lorraine Beeman. This is Career Central, an hour totally committed to helping you achieve your career goals. I'm Lorraine Beeman, your host. Our guest today is Marie Platt, an award-winning resume writer. If you're wondering why your resume is not generating interviews or have no idea what to include in your resume, you are listening to the right podcast. Marie, it's an honor to have you. Welcome to the show. Oh, it's great to be here, Lorraine. Thank you so much. So tell the audience a little bit how, about how you became interested in resume writing. Well, uh, <laughs> when I was 12 years old, uh, my parents had to be in positions of hiring. They were, you know, my dad for a minute was a recruiter for, you know, IT jobs. My mom had to do a bunch of hiring and exposing me to a little ages of myself. These were back in the days where people had print resumes where everything was like uh, either laminated or fluorescent colored or trifold where people would really put some artistry into their resumes. And my mom would come home with like a giant stack of them. And again, I'm 12 and she and again, I'm 12, um, but she used to you just say, pick through the dumb ones. Just get rid of all the stupid ones and help me out. And it was surprisingly easy uh, for a 12-year-old to do this. Uh, you'd be amazed at how many dumb resumes can be spotted out. But it's, uh, I've been obsessed with them ever since. So you became a dumb resume expert very early in life, Absolutely. and then you turned this into a business. And have, how long have you been um, writing resumes professionally? Uh, since 2004. Okay. 15, 16 years. Oh, my God. <laughs> Didn't mean to have a shocking start to the show, but 16 <laughs> years, um, there's been a lot of changes. What, what have you seen change in employers' expectations over that time in terms of resumes? What are employers looking for? Well, more and more, and, and you know, it, it was already kind of a, you saw it in 2009, if you've been in this industry uh, during the last recession. Uh, they started getting more precise with the job descriptions. They started getting really into applicant tracking software, became more widely available because the reality is, is they're getting far more applications. You know, they're constantly getting uh, more and more. It used to be when I started this, for every job you're applying to, you're going to have 50 competitors. Then after 2009, you're going to have 100 competitors. Now, maybe 200 competitors because they're just constantly getting spammed online with resumes. So uh, they they just trying to figure out ways to block. They want to get people who uh, are about their culture, about their position that they're offering. And so they really want those resumes to be more specialized and tailored to the job at hand. They're tired of really seeing, I don't know what I want to be. I'm going to try to be everything to everybody uh, sort of resumes. They really want you to uh, respect what kind of business that they're building, what kind of culture they're championing, what kind of uh, job that skills that they need you to have specific to that position. So I think it's e careful. It's, it's okay to assume that Employers want resumes that are focused on them. Gone yeah. are the, the generic resume and you send it out to 100 employers, the same resume. So focusing- And they don't get seen at all anymore. Yep. All right. 
So there are some things that have been dropped off resumes over the years, but some of our listeners may have written that resume 16, 17 years ago and suddenly find themselves in a position where they're out looking for a job. What are some of the things we've dropped off resumes that date them? Oh, gosh, so many things. I think the, the biggest one that everybody was very happy to get rid of was the generic objective statement. You know, I just want to use my talents and interests to future, you know, to advance your objectives and that nobody understands what that means at all. Uh, so the overreaching, nonspecific, uh, oh, you know, objective statement gone, the need to indicate references available upon request. It's already a given. Nobody needs to have page space wasted for that. Uh, things like, uh, um, you know, Times New Roman fonts, uh, middle initials, like uh, something every, we used to, everybody had to put their middle initials for their whole name uh, to look very, very formal. Now, modern resumes, it's more about who calls you what on a daily basis, whatever you go by. I wouldn't do Marie D. Plett Lane the third, you know, I, you know, it's too much. Uh, old timey email addresses, Hotmail, AOL, you know, that could expose you to ageism, try to upgrade those. Um, but yeah, we just want to, and, and a little color, you know, the, the plain black and white Times New Roman font resumes, that's uh, pretty dated and the young millennials and even Zoomers now that are screening out most of these applications, they can't even relate to, to some of that real plain uh, formatting. I wanna reinforce something that you said, and that is that, that objective statement, which really said, I want a job that helps me improve my skills, use my talent and all that, that's gone because that says what you want and your resume needs to deliver the message, this is what you can do for the employers. That, that Absolutely. Might. Well, first it has to say that, you know, the thing I don't like about those objective statements is if you recall, if you've been in this industry, and I know you have, you've been in there in here for a bit, is that most of those statements didn't even have a real objective. And it wasn't even like, well, this is the job I'm applying to. But now what you really need to do is, you know, the resume, and I, I tell this to people, the resume, the job interview questions, uh, any communication you have, the whole job search process is essentially just a giant song and dance to answer the only question that matters. Why should I hire you among all the other candidates, you know, I'm considering for this position? So your resume, like right up front in, you know, instead of a, a objective statement that has no objective, it needs to one, very clearly specify the job you're applying to. And two, what you bring to the table that nobody else does. Why do they need to pick up that phone and call you? Why is this a serendipitous meeting? Why were you, everything in your career has led you to this moment. Why are you the best person for that job? And you need to make that very clear right up front. You know, um, one of the things I think most people imagine is they submit a resume for a job and it immediately lands on the hiring manager's desk and they look at it and they pick up the phone. You shared with me that you actually write a resume for three different audiences. Can you share who you're writing to? Absolutely. So the very first audience, uh, it's a, like the real gatekeeper you have to get through is applicant tracking software or applicant tracking systems. We call it ATS. And I know that on a technical side, ATS, uh, when it comes to software, they're talking about uh, Taleo, which up until a few weeks ago was the number one 
system used in America or Workday, that's considered uh, maybe, but even like LinkedIn, Indeed, they operate in a similar manner. So a lot of times in the industry, when we say ATS, we're essentially talking about that electronic audience. And what that, uh, what that electronic, the, what the ATS is looking for is keywords, matching up with keywords. And so all it cares about is being able to read your information and being able to match it to the job description. And then your second audience is the, what I call the human resume screener. And this is the person who has to go through hundreds of applications that the ATS doesn't block out. And it could be like somebody in a human resources office who's a, you know, reviewing applicants for many different jobs. Same thing with recruiters. But understand like Google, for example, right now, the latest is that Google accepts 75,000 applications for each position. Uh, you have Microsoft 50,000, I mean 75,000 applications a week, almost 4 million applications a year. Microsoft is 50,000 resumes a week. Okay, so first you have this electronic ATS that is designed to block you and block you and prioritize and 70% of people don't even get it through ATS. Then you have a human resume screener and these are people who are exhausted, they just see so many resumes all the time. They know all the tricks. If you're trying to pull a fast one on them, they'll be able to see it immediately. Um, they just see so many plain black and white ones, they get bored. Most of these people are skewing younger. Uh, these don't tend to be high ranking HR jobs. They tend to be um, younger people who are in generation Z now or millennial. Uh, and so they're looking at your resume for six seconds and they're determining whether or not on average the six seconds that it's worthy to get to the actual final boss, which is your future boss. Um, the last person is somebody who actually knows what they're looking for. They know who they want to work with. They know um, how to, you know, the exact qualifications that you need, where that initial human resume screener might not know anything. It might be like an HR person trying to hire for a very advanced technical professional, but they have no idea what that technical professional really does. So they're judging silly things like grammar and, you know, less relevant information uh, versus your future boss who actually really cares about exactly how you know how to manage a technical system. So I want to talk a little bit more about ATS because that is the big barrier. And as you said, it's designed to weed you out. So what are some of these tricks that people try so that our listeners know, don't go there? Because I know a lot of it floats out on the internet, do this, do that, and you'll get through the ATS. But ATSs get smarter every, every month. So what are the things, the tricks to avoid? Well, honestly, I'm finding that ATS isn't getting smarter. Like oh, okay. I, I Here's the thing. So I, I keep researching. I keep doing all this. Uh, I work with recruiters. I, I join a lot of recruiter groups. And I run through my applications through Taleo and Workday on the regular. And the trend that I'm finding is that they're kind of intentionally keeping, I don't know if it's uh, that the AI isn't really working that well, or if they're intentionally trying to keep ATS dumb. Because ATS, when I say ATS is dumb, I mean that it really requires you to parrot the job description word for word. So let's say, for example, you wanted to work at you know, Pepsi. And Pepsi for their sales manager has in its job description, exceed sales quotas. Sales quotas would end up being a, a keyword, a key phrase you would need to match directly. 
Coke would say instead, maybe surpass sales goals. So now all of a sudden you have sales goals. Well, if you say I beat sales objectives, then neither one of these systems are still going to recognize you. And the reason being is that employers are finding that they get better match for candidates the more information and detail that they put into their job descriptions. Uh, very famously, uh, a couple years ago in Silicon Valley, they were trying to get more female coders. And you're seeing more and more of this with diversity and inclusion. Uh, the, the language that they use in job descriptions are now very carefully calculated to attract the clients, the, the job seekers or, or the employees that they want. Uh, for example, if, you, if a company is tired, you know, they, they use phrases like ninja or dominate, and they're going to get male applicants. If they soften the language and they also promote uh, family leave or, you know, kind of uh, health care benefits, they tend to attract more females to the job. So employers, uh, especially now in 2000 or, you know, 2020 after COVID, I've been noticing that these job descriptions my clients are uh, applying to are very culture driven. They're much more extensive. They have much more detail to them. And it's more of an expectation of you matching what they're saying word for word and you understanding the key phrases. And I do suggest to your audience to maybe uh, get on JobScan or SkillSinker. These are tools online that'll help you figure out uh, the right key phrases that each job description is looking for. But ATS isn't really look, that look, they're not invested in looking at you as a person to find the best match. What they're trying to do instead is just to redevelop their job descriptions and then have you parrot that uh, so that they know that you're a best match, that you're actually reading the job descriptions, that you're paying attention rather than trusting a computer is going to be a matchmaker. So for ATS, we're looking at the job, job description, maybe underlying keywords, making sure that, that those are the terms we use in our resume um, and not assuming that the applicant tracking system can go, oh, you know, sales quota and sales goals are the same. Yeah, I, I wouldn't make, I wouldn't take any of that for granted. Cause still when I, when I do, when I run a job search for somebody and those keywords are a little under alignment, it's, uh, it's not great. Okay. And then the second level you were saying is more about the grammar and the punctuation and, and the formatting. And can you speak to a little bit about that is if you have a grammatical error, um, a spelling error, what, what's the reaction of the reader? Well, again, it depends on uh, the reader and the opportunity, but what really matters is a level of competition. So most of these uh, HR recruiters and screeners, they didn't go into this position because they wanted to be grammar experts, okay? They just, but if there's a, a, a huge giant errors, if it's really sloppy, it speaks to your level of dedication. It's, it speaks to how good you're going to be at your job or, or your level of attention to detail. So you can't be sloppy at all. What they're really looking forward to, they become really focused more on grammar errors is when ATS, you know, you, they'll see the grammar errors in ATS. You'll have it very, you know, uh, highlighted. Most people's systems now will highlight a spelling error, even in email, even if you type something in LinkedIn. It becomes almost silly now to have these errors, so avoid those. But they're really focused on your job history. They're looking at, they're looking at your level of de dedication. What they tend to do in that six-second scan is they'll first look at that opening headline, 
the summary, and then they tend to skip down to job titles, dates, companies, job titles, dates, companies, making sure there are no gaps and that everything that you have is relatively aligned with what her boss, you know, the, the future boss has told them, hey, we're kind of looking for this and this and this. And so then what they're doing is they're only looking at the top of what the ATS pushes out to them because they're likely getting like 200 applications. They're not going through all 200. They're not looking at all 200. You're lucky if they're looking at 20. And they're only looking down, they're saying, okay, I want to give this guy five possibilities, top five possibilities. And they might look through 10, maybe 15 to get to those top five. Maybe if it's really disappointing and the ATS isn't really working how they want, they'll go down lower. But they, they almost are never going all the way down to the bottom and carefully considering everybody equally. They don't have time for that. So they're going to check to see if, if you line up. They're going to usually assume with the keywords, okay, that person's qualified because, again, they don't really know what, you know, the specific day-to-day -day tasks are for these positions. They're just in HR. So you just have to kind of picture somebody who has to look at these pages over and over and over and kind of align things up. That's what you're targeting when it comes to them. And if it's super competitive and if two people seem completely equally qualified and they don't know who to pick, yeah, they're going to pick the one with the grammar, the, with the better grammar. You know, it just sort of becomes one of those deal breakers or tiebreaker sort of things. Marie, thank you for getting us focused on how to get through ATS through that first screener. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about what that hiring manager is looking for in that resume so that they pick up the phone and call you for an interview. So short break. We'll be back with Marie in just a moment. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit VoiceAmerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into Career Central. To reach the program today, 
please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, you may send it to Lorraine at interviewtowork.com. That's Lorraine at interview, the number two, work.com. Now, back to Career Central. Welcome back to Career Central. We're here today with Marie Platt, an award-winning resume writer. Before the break, she um, shared with us how to get past that applicant tracking system, that person who is scanning and getting that resume, your resume, to the hiring manager's desk. And now that that uh, resume is on the desk, we're going to talk about what it, the um, hiring manager needs to know to pick up that phone and make the call and set up the interview. So Marie, um, once your resume lands on that hiring manager's desk, what are they most likely to look at before they decide to read or move on to another candidate? So the very first thing that they're going to look at is again, you know, that you're applying to the job they want you to apply to. They're not looking for like vague, uh, you know, I, I, I'm in, you know, I'm looking for to use my talent in Indian the industry. They don't even know what that means. They don't care. So they want to know, like, you know, are you, you know, that you are applying to the job. So that's, that's simple. If you're like, yeah, I'm looking for a, a let's say technology CIO to CTO position, you know, very clear. And then of course you got to sprinkle it with some magic, like a transformative or, you know, somebody who shapeshifts organizations with disruptive technologies, there's always these buzzwords. But what they're really, at the end of the day, they're looking for is to figure out what you bring to the table that nobody else does. Uh, and so in that very first section, you really need to answer the question, why should I hire you among all the other candidates? And you have to really punch up. And, you know, I use like different techniques, like achievement clusters or little, you know, half arrows or statements, bullet points. Uh, you know, some of the things that prove that you're about what you say you are. So really what it is that they're looking for is a level of achievement, not just that you did something, but that you did something really well. Um, so it's uh, very important to show what you bring to the table in that very first introduction. And what makes you special? Are you a problem solver? Are you, uh, you know, are you an oracle, are you an organizational turnaround expert? Are you somebody who drives profit or growth? Uh, you know, are you somebody who's just a really good people manager and you really inspire your teams to greatness? What is the thing that makes you special that not everybody in that chair is going to claim? Because when you say, oh, what, why should I hire you? Oh, you know, I'm qualified. I've got X years of experience. It could be bad experience. You could be in a job for 10 years at a mom and pop shop where you know nothing and didn't, you know, nothing of import. Um, what makes you the person they got to hire? So let's dissect the resume because we talked about that six seconds. That means that they can look almost any place on the resume to make those decisions. So let's just work from, from the top to the bottom. Um, what about the heading? You know, just that contact information. How can you make that attractive and powerful? Uh, well, the contact information, there's a lot of visuals. It's sometimes hard to describe uh, over, a, uh, over a verbal medium like this. But in terms of contact information from top to bottom, I would say unless your location is a big selling point, unless they're only looking to hire local, and I know things are going to be uprooted now, more people are doing Zoom, more people are having virtual uh, offices, 
but unless you're uh, you're local and it's important that you're local, you don't need to put your address on there anymore. Uh, maybe city, state, or location if that's a selling point. Now, if you put your address on it, a lot of employers just kind of look at your Zillow pick. A lot of board recruiters they admit, oh, let me Zillow their house and see how they're living. Um, so I, I like keep it simple with the location. You want to have one phone number for them to contact you. They don't want to be chasing you around with a lot of different phone numbers. They don't want to be chasing you around um, for a lot of different emails. Just have one. Uh, and if you want to have like social media, make sure it's incredibly professional. Every employer checks your social media now. Like just assume they all do. They care about your Facebook. They care about uh, you know, your link, if you have LinkedIn, keep it professional. Don't have like the bikini pics on LinkedIn. Don't, it's not a dating site. It's not Twitter. It's not a political site. Uh, keep those off LinkedIn, um, and make sure that your social media is clean. But then, uh, but what really matters is your name. You want to make your name memorable. One of the things that I do is I use, I create all sorts of unique graphics and backgrounds and logos. I'm more of what's known as like a graphic resume writer. Uh, it's where I got my reputation. So I like to make things visually memorable all the time and unique for all my clients. But uh, failing any artistic skill, make sure your name is what gets seen the most. Focus on that and don't just follow up with like page one or, you know, 22 or 25 plus years of experience as blah, blah, blah. We all have experience lists. They're boring. They're not inspiring and they can expose you to ageism. Uh, so focus on the excellence that you brought into uh, the company. Follow it up immediately with a headline that describes who you are in the job you're applying to. Maybe you're a customer service obsessed account executive. Maybe you are, uh, you know, like I said, technically transformative tech executive known for shape-shifting businesses with, uh, you know, I'm repeating this, with uh, disruptive or game-changing technologies. Maybe, uh, you know, like one of my favorite headlines was for a makeup artist, and I called her a fun-loving perfectionist. Something that tells people who you are, what you're applying to, uh, but also lets them know a bit of your personality. Okay. So you've, um, which is perfect, you've moved into that summary, um, you know, a powerful statement, a fun statement, something that is really unique. Anything else that should be included in what we kind of call that top section or that, that summary of, summary of never write summary of qualifications on your resume, but what we often refer to is that summary of qualification section. Yeah. What else belongs keep, there? So I'll like in a summary paragraph, I like to keep them short. Like anything else, people absorb uh, information in bite-sized nuggets. They don't, people get overwhelmed with giant tedious paragraphs um, and they become overwhelmed just as well if it's a really long bullet list. Uh, you have like a long bullet list over seven lines, you might as well just have a giant paragraph. So you want to, you know, like when you're doing the job descriptions, we'll get into those, but you'll want to chop those up into duties and hidden into paragraphs and put the keywords in there. And then the achievements, you want to highlight them in bullets. But when it comes to an opening summary, you want to keep it brief. I like to have every sentence within a summary speak to some new thing. I don't like repetitive, uh, you know, if you're like, for example, if you are in uh, sales, uh, I would have something along the lines of I, you know, grow million dollar, multi-million dollar business organizations, uh, talk about the actual success and revenue. 
And then I'll say something along the lines of exceeded expectations of Fortune 500 clients or something that speaks to the clients you've served or had, you know, huge client satisfaction ratings. And then followed by, um, you know, managed and led and motivated teams uh, of up to 500, you know, sales associates, something that speaks to your leadership. Uh, but I like to keep it varied instead of just, oh, I grew this and I grew that and I grew that because people start, you know, the repetition can be a little boring. Uh, so I like to constantly make them think about all aspects of the career and then followed by a very punchy, usually a differently colored uh, list, something with good bullets or graphics uh, that really scream out all the top accomplishments because most of the top accomplishments in your career can be laid out in like five words or fewer. You can really kind of, uh, you know, punch things up and make them bright and bold uh, so that they see your accomplishments and then they can just sort of settle in to the work experience. But I like to get have a, a top third page that's incredibly energizing. And then even if I have like a core competency list in that section, I do try to punch them up. So instead of saying like client presentations, I'd like to say persuasive client presentations. Uh, you know, do you know closing deals or deal closing? Well, how about million dollar deal closing? Uh, things like that, I try to punch them up whenever possible that you're getting the keywords, but you're also getting the wow, this is the wow factor uh, that's, that's lacking a lot when you just focus strictly on keywords. So we've got the top third. Now we're ready to move into that professional experience. Give us your advice on how to write that section of the resume. So when writing for the professional experience, uh, again, you want to keep your general day-to-day -day tasks in uh, the paragraphs. And you want your tangible achievements or proof. What I call an achievement is just proof that you performed a task well. And this is even beyond scope. Uh, sometimes if you have like large scopes, like you manage uh, 100 people and a $20 million budget, I like to keep those in a separate section, like in a line uh, or a highlighted thing above a paragraph so that they can look and see the, the level of progressive uh, growth that you've had in your career and that it really stands out if that's the case. Uh, and then the paragraphs are just the day-to-day -day duties and a lot of places where you hide those key phrases that you need to match the job. Um, so anything that's a little less exciting, and I try to make it as exciting as possible, but where it's less exciting, I like to hide them a little bit more in paragraphs. And then the bullets, uh, obviously, that's where we're going to put most of the emphasis on because we want to show that you did these jobs well, even if you had a huge scope of leadership. Because again, and I know it's rare, they're not going to hire you to lead 100 people if you're not good at your job. But sometimes, yeah, nepotism, it happens. And I've had clients that have been pretty terrible bosses and yet put in charge of 100 people. So the achievements, I, I can't emphasize enough. Uh, in terms of writing, you don't want to be passive. Uh, a lot of resumes, most of the sentences begin with responsible for, led, managed. Um, nobody's, nobody's ever been, you know, like excited by the phrase responsible for it's very passive. It sounds like they forced you to do a job. Um, so really focus on, you know, get yourself a thesaurus. There are a lot of really good websites out there that have great action verbs for resumes. You want to mix up that language. You want to keep the reader engaged and excited. And you can't do that when you're repeating the same word for every sentence. Can you give us an, an example of some exciting words to use to start those accomplishment statements? 
Well, you know, uh, every in within resumes, like we use sentence fragments. You know, we do not uh, write I or my. We don't write in full essay sentences. We write in sentence fragments. And so every sentence that you start should have a verb or an adverb. Uh, so like, for example, uh, you know, uh, addressed customer concerns. That's, uh, that's addressed concerns. Okay, that's pretty passive. That means that you just talk to a customer. That's not exactly inspiring. Resolved concerns or proactively addressed and resolved concerns because an adverb again is just like kind of that adjective that ends with the ly uh, so proactively resolved is a little bit better uh, but when it comes to like achievement statements and, and any statement really what i would tell people is you know human beings read from left to right that is how we consume our information so you always want to put the most impressive stuff at the beginning of a sentence and then follow it up with the process, you know, for example, uh, you know, let's say you automated an inventory management system, you, you installed an inventory management system uh, that reduced the time it takes to track raw materials 35%. Well, that's a pretty boring statement, actually, because you're focused on a process and not the, the outcome. So I normally when I take a statement like that, I flip it and, you know, I reverse it so that it says reduced, you know, reduced, you know, shrank time it took to track inventory 35%, highlight that by implementing uh, or automate or automating the inventory management system. So you just want to be, you don't want it to be super in the weeds and the details with the process. You want to focus on the result of what you did. And uh, that usually is what stands out most because here's the other thing. Well, I like my action verbs to be very concise and interesting. I don't want them to be too flowery. I don't want them to distract from the actual achievement that uh, that we're discussing. So sometimes even language can be, because uh, I know a lot of people have that fear, a lot of job seekers, they don't want to sound like a used car salesman. And I know that some of the stuff that I rattle off being a resume writer is like a little over the top, them like transformative, like game-changing software, actually, not like, it can be over the top for some people, but in, in, when in doubt, take the achievements that you have and start with, you know, I grew sales such and such, you know, like however million, many millions of dollars by opening new product lines. Or I improved customer satisfaction scores such and such, you know, by 20% because I opened up a new survey and a call center or something, whatever it is, put the process after uh, the achievement. This is a question that I'm sure most of our listeners are thinking or asking themselves, how many accomplishments should you list under a job? I think what, it, what matters uh, the most is that you have the variety and the right accomplishments of pe what people are looking for. The reality is, is, and I know people are facing this right now, is you might have just been in a job, you started in January and now you don't have it anymore you might not have a lot of accomplishments. I mean, you're going to have to do the best with what you have and show that you tried your darndest. Uh, but what I find is uh, I like to make sure that there are no gaps. When I look at a client history and then I try to write the resume, the very first thing I do is I scan their resume against uh, in job scan, as we were discussing against opportunities that they're seeking. And then you can see a very clear snapshot, like immediately of what they're looking for and what this client doesn't have. 
So then I start asking the client questions about what what's missing. Why do you not have these skills? Uh, are you not looking? But then I do a read of the job description. You get a very clear sense of what kind of achievements they're looking for. Mm-hmm. So again, align it to what's happening now. There are so many different types of achievements, and I do like to have a variety whenever possible, especially at the executive level. I like to have a wide variety of achievements uh, versus just everything, like, for example, growth. Like, there's growth. You grew teams. You grew the business. You, you know, profits. You cut costs. You made something more profitable. Or uh, influence vision right now, change management is a huge deal. People right now during COVID-19 need to know that you're nimble, that you sink on your feet, and that you can adapt to change. Any uh, thing, any any achievements where you're able to convince stubborn holdouts um, is very helpful right now. Client service, client, you know, think about client, uh, you know, testimonials, satisfaction scores, thank yous, uh, things like that organizational turnarounds, how you turned underperforming uh, organizations and you got them back on track, Uh, efficiency gains, uh, did you install new computer systems or shrink a task size by any given, uh, you know, sections. But you kind of want to have some sort of variety to show that you're not just a one-note singer, that you can manage a lot of different things, especially right now where everybody's just pretty much being asked to be very flexible. All right. Um, We are going to take another short break. When we come back, we're going to um, ask Marie about two of her favorite topics, which is adding color to your resume and adding graphics. And then we have some um, questions that have come in from the audience. And so we're going to ask her to respond to those. So quick break. Uh, uh, Looking forward to coming back and continuing our conversation with Marie. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
You are tuned into Career Central. To reach the program today, please call 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. If you'd rather send an email, you may send it to Lorraine at interviewtowork.com. That's Lorraine at interview, the number two, work.com. Now, back to Career Central. Welcome back. We are in the middle of talking to Marie Platt, an award-winning resume writer who has taken us up to this point on how to get through the applicant tracking system, the, the human, and what the hiring manager is looking for. And now we're going to talk to her about her area of expertise. And those are adding color and adding graphics to your resume. So again, most of our folks that are listening are doing it themselves. So how about some advice for adding, adding color for the, for the beginner? Well, uh, that's very simple in Microsoft Word. You just scroll over any font that you have. You can add color very easily. I'm sure most of your, even most everybody I've ever met, even like the most amateur on Word can figure, you know, have figured out how to just even just add a little color, just even if it's the font or their name or like the subheaders versus like professional experience or education. Uh, put those maybe bigger, uh, bolder fonts and just add, uh, you know, a little dash of color. That actually helps. You'd be surprised. Um, you know, we've done some recruiter surveys. I did one in 2019 where I interviewed over 100 recruiters. And millennials, they need at least some color. Uh, and uh, Zoomers, they, they like graphics. Like the Zoomers that respond, they're like, I don't like colors. I like a little bit of something memorable. Like they're all into visual branding and everybody has a brand and a Instagram channel and they all know Photoshop. So they do uh, look for uh, more color. Now, what I would recommend for somebody who doesn't have any experience in this area, uh, there's a couple things you need to be aware of. One, there's something in our industry called the text box. Uh, a lot of even professional resume writers use text box, and some of these ATS systems still are very old, and they'll disregard them completely. So any text you have in a text box disappears. Um, and some of, if you're lucky, even the modern uh, ATS will jumble it up into other areas. So if you have a text box over a paragraph, often that text in the text box will be inserted into the paragraph and confuse the reader. So avoid text boxes, and the reason I say that is because Text boxes appear when you click on the text and you see like four corners, a little box surrounded. That means you have a text box. And a lot of people invest very little money. It's like $5, $10, maybe $30 at most on Etsy. And they have a lot of graphic designers on Etsy. Most of them are European. Most of them know nothing about the American job search system. And they're very pretty and they're very modern. They have all these cool hues and uh, they're very sophisticated looking, but they rely, because they know that you know nothing about graphic design, uh, they rely on text boxes so that the appearance is always flawless. The problem is an applicant tracking software, it disappears or gets uh, jumbled up. I will say this, I was expecting, I try to avoid having templates that everybody's seen before. I, Lorraine, if you remember in the dreaded early aughts, how there was like one template in Microsoft Word that everybody used. It was like a sales resume template that everybody on earth was using and recruiters got sick of it. There was also a very popular resume farm uh, that used the exact same Times New Roman thing that everybody started using. And so they don't wanna see the same old, same old. They don't wanna see it popped into a template. Now that said, 
going against my own advice here, Microsoft Word does have a lot of great templates that I don't see ever being used. Like they're just useless, but they're really good and they're really ATS friendly and they do let you download uh, new templates. So they're able to create stuff that doesn't require text boxes that make it safe and you can see it. So I, for my money, if I were just a total amateur and you know, I would pick a nice modern looking sans serif font and there are plenty of them in there. Microsoft Word template that spoke most to me, the colors I like, and they have so many, um, but with a splash of color because color does make you stand out. It does, it does feel like when you read that many resumes that are plain black and white, you're just staring at a bunch of zebras blending into each other over and over. It does get a little tiring, so do add just a little color. All right. Um... We have some questions that have come in from the audience. So we'll put Marie on the spot and ask a few. Um, one is, how do I include an old job that is related to the job I'm applying to, but showing the dates would let people know that I'm an older worker? Okay, so there's a couple things. One is there are two different techniques I would employ here, depending on the circumstance um, and how much relevant work you've had since then would be the deciding factor here. But the very first thing I would consider is uh, having, like for example, if this were a sales resume and you're going for a sales job and the other jobs, uh, every job you've had since then has been in like shipping or something, you know, you've been, or logistics and you haven't had any kind of real sales experience up and since uh, the job you had in 1996 where you were just a sales juggernaut. Uh, in that case, I would have a, you know, finish, I'd have an amazing opening summary that told why you were the best in sales. Then I would follow it up. Uh, and, and not only why you're the best in sales, but if you haven't been there for a long time, why you're so passionate about sales. Something that really talks about not just your accomplishments, which you might not have over the years, but something that really passionately shows it. And then I'd have, following immediately an introduction, I'd have sales excellence section. And then I would have it, and I would always take this experience you have and put it in a different section than the rest of your work experience so that you can justify a different visual format, so that you can justify not having the dates on there if you don't want. And so I do this all the time, and I'll get into that a little bit later for something called a past success section. But let's say you haven't been in sales since 1996, uh, and this time you just want to do it without showing your dates. Well, then I would have a section immediately following the intro that says something along the lines of sales excellence. And then I would have the job title. I would have the company name, maybe location. And then I would say seven years of excellence to indicate how the length of time but not the dates. And then I would go into, all right, the achievements, obviously, and all the different relevant keywords and the uh, achievements there. Now, very typically, I have clients who have fantastic success stories that predate this millennium. And so what I often do is I'll have, I don't want to get into the weeds. Employers don't really want to read back past 20 years. Uh, then we're getting into a lot of the stuff that you did isn't even relevant anymore. I mean, technologies aside, everything's sort of changed since then. Um, but the stuff that you did do, those top accomplishments, I will normally, I do this at least once a week. I'll have a client that had a ton of great accomplishment before the 2000, uh, before 2000s. And I'll label it past success. Then under past success, I'll just have for each job description, the name of the, the position title, the company name, 
and followed by a couple brief bullets. This is an abbreviated section, but the bullets will show your top accomplishments. But this is really a great technique for if you still had a relevant career, if you've been a salesperson since, you know, the whole time, but you had these really amazing accomplishments uh, back in the 90s, then I'll just have past success. The dates won't be there at all. And I'll just have, you know, bullets about the best stuff that you did in those positions. Fantastic. We actually have time for one more question. Mm -hmm. um, a listener wants to know if they wanted help writing a resume, where could they find a professional resume writer? Uh, well, there are a lot of different resume writers out there in general. Now, I'm from aspirationsresume.com. I personally do like more graphic resumes and executives, uh, but they have resume writers at every level. A uh, couple things. I prefer a credentialed resume writer. I prefer them to, to have experience. My big concern right now is there's so many people out there with basic word processing and grammar skills who know nothing about resume writing or what's expected from any of these other, you know, ATS or, or resume, human resume readers. Um, they're just trying to get a job right now with COVID. They're just trying to make a living, but they're not going to be able to effectively help you. So I do suggest going for a credentialed resume writer. Uh, there are some great organizations, Career Directors International. They have a huge uh, list of credentialed resume writers. As you know, Lorraine, the National Resume Writers Association has a lot of credentialed resume writers. And then the other thing is, is if you're Googling, if you're just trying to do online research, find a resume writer that not only has credentials, that has been doing it for a bit, has really great samples. The proof is always in the pudding. Uh, but also special, specializes in your field because honestly, I'm not very great with like, like, uh, you know, lawyer resumes, you know, like there are certain things that people don't really hire me to do. I'm like known for marketing and, and, and art, artistic resumes. Um, but you're going to really want somebody who understands your field. And they, this doesn't necessarily mean that they're an accountant turned resume writer if you're looking but this is somebody who writes so many accounting resumes maybe goes to accounting conferences and specializes in a niche that they know what employers are looking for so yeah i would absolutely uh find somebody that specializes in what you do all right um marie we always challenge our listeners we give them a five second challenge something that they can do immediately after the show to move them forward and in this case on building a better resume so what would you challenge them to do? The very the, the thing that uh, is the most important thing for any job search, sit down, look at yourself in the mirror and ask yourself, why, if an employer sat you down and asked you, why should I hire you among all these other candidates? Figure out what your response would be. Think about what other people want to hear. I mean, let me give you an example. If this is like, imagine that the employer really, really cares about their company, about their department. You have kids, you know, you value your children. If a babysitter came up and you're interviewing a babysitter, what do you want to hear from that babysitter? Oh, I have a lot of experience. I'm credentialed. I have a perfect, uh, you know, I know CPR. I have a perfect, uh, you know, record with the police department. Whatever it is, you want your kid to be safe and entertained and engaged. Uh, if she starts going on about, oh, I really like yoga and I do all this painting and I'm very good at like decoupage. You're like, what? I don't care. Um, I'm hiring a babysitter and, and think about that because employers care about, tend to care about their companies, their departments, as much as you care about things in your life. Uh, and what would you say to that person? Like, why should I hire you among everybody else? Figure out your answer to that because that will be your North star. That'll be your guiding light to anything else in your job search and do not stray from that message. 
Great, great challenge. Uh, Marie, we just have a couple minutes left, and I was wondering if you would um, share with our audience how they can get a hold of you, a website or LinkedIn, or however you'd like people to reach out to you. Well, I have a very simple name, Marie Plett, P-L-E-T-T, and uh, I am on LinkedIn. I am pretty much everywhere if you Google me, uh, but the big place to find me and to see my samples uh, of I've, my many uh, Tory and winning award-winning uh, resume samples uh, can be found at aspirationsresume.com. Aspirations is plural. Resume is not. So go to aspirationsresume.com. You'll find out all about me. Uh, and uh, on that, I have a YouTube channel, uh, Marie Plett, my YouTube channel. I have like 30 tip videos that goes into every detail of everything I pretty much know about resume writing and applicant tracking software, as well with uh, visuals to help you see what I see. Um, so please uh, take a look there and uh, so you can even watch my virtual consultation, which shows my entire process from start to finish, if you are interested in uh, ordering my services. Um, treat yourself and look at some of um, Marie's um, resumes and check out her channels. It's just, uh, they're amazing. The show, um, we have just run out of time. Marie, we'd like to keep you on for hours and hours and keep talking. But right now we're going to say goodbye to our audience. Um, next week, we'll be talking more about strategies and techniques for advancing your career. Our guest is Shannon Rollins, who shares strategies for handling workplace stress. I don't know about you, but there's nobody that is currently not dealing with some stress and she has some great tips. So until next week, this is Lorraine Beeman encouraging you to take care of your career because you are the only one who is qualified to do it. Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of Career Central. Be sure to join your host, Lorraine Beeman, for another program next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Enjoy your week.